Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. My name is Mark Taylor and today I'm talking to Robert Morgan who is part of the NAEP National Council and has been for a year or two now um, and he's also a senior lecturer at Greenwich University so we're going to talk a little bit about his background, his experience um, and, and where we see NAEP moving forward. So thanks very much for joining us Robert. Thank you Mark, good to talk to you. So why don't we start with that um, professional background I've just mentioned about being a senior lecturer at Greenwich University. What does that involve and how does your sort of day-to-day professional work look? I've been in, employed at the University of Greenwich uh, for just over 12 years now and I work within the School of Education in the primary department. So my job is to uh, train students to become primary school teachers within the field of initial teacher education. I teach and lecture to undergraduates and to postgraduates and also work with schools through the School Direct programme. And it's, it's a varied job and it's one which I particularly enjoy. And how long have you been at Greenwich now? I think when I spoke to Robert Young in his interview, um, I think you sort of overlapped or you took over his job, is that correct? Yes, I inherited his post. So that was back in September 2007, although Robert and I have a a good relationship on the NAEP Council. <laughs> yes. And um and they if I remember rightly as well, you've also on a on a separate council for another educational um organization. Is that right? Is it NAPTEC or one of those Yes, NAPTEC, which is uh, very similar to the aims of of NAEP. Uh, that's uh someone I've been working with now for the last five years or so. And so it's it's quite good, I think, for everyone listening to sort of get an idea that sort of our sort of broad interest in education and, and it's it's more than just our work. It's that sort of, like I say, those shared elements and, and, and the themes that come through from that child-centred idea of learning that we um, that is obviously essential to, to NAEP as, as an organisation. So you're just about to take on a little bit more responsibility within the NAEP Council to do with Primary First. Could you talk us a little bit about that? Yes, currently I'm the assistant editor of the NAEP journal, uh, which is published uh, three times a year. It's called Primary First, and that is with uh, my colleagues uh, Peter Cancel, uh, Stuart Swan, Robert Young and John Coe. But uh, recently um, it's just been decided that I would um, become a joint editor with John Coe and and then seek to become the the editor when John stands down. And I would imagine that's going to be quite an, an intense job in terms of, I, mean, I know nothing about putting together a magazine, but I, I know that the articles involved in Primary First and and, um, and some of the things that they cover are actually very, very interesting, but also really integral to the way primary education works at the moment. You're right, Mark. There's certainly a, a range of, of articles, and it goes back to what NAEP stands for, that is celebrating and encouraging the role of education to be child-centred. And it's, it's a very strong message that we have within Primary First, and it's to celebrate how all who are involved in education, be those uh, teachers, teaching assistants, parents, carers, anybody who has an interest puts the child first and that's something that we seek to um, promote within primary first and indeed the uh, NAEP and what, how I see my role at University of Greenwich with with my uh, relations with the students and that very fact that pedagogy is something 
which needs to be kept alive and celebrated and shared and for us to all have a, a meaning full understanding of what that pedagogy means for the child in today's um, climate and that's a really interesting point there how, how do you find well i'm assuming one it's quite challenging in in the way that the system is set up these days in terms of making sure that that continues through as teachers are training and, and that combination of of I guess the the reason that everyone gets into teaching and, and the fantastic experience they get the chance to share their knowledge to nurture children as they're going through in these important um, younger years but also the fact that of course there are certain things you have to cover in order to then qualify to then give you the chance to take that forward. Yes it, you're right it's, it's a balance I think everyone who comes into the uh, teaching profession wants to do their best for the child and how they adapt the curriculum and the ethos of the school will will mold their classroom will mold their pedagogy and, and i think in today's climate with the accountability uh, through uh, through uh, ofsted through the revised curriculum through the teacher standards and through other measures such as early mathematics and systematic synthetic phonics. It's something that teachers are continually grappling with. And here is where I see NAEP being a beacon, uh, as it were, to give some, some clarity and to guidance for teachers never to lose this, the, the importance of the child and the child's being able to be nurtured and to develop holistically to find their place in society. I think that's very true and I think when I first joined the NAEP Council one of the things that really struck me really strongly was the fact that supporting the children to be who they are at every age they are rather than that whole perception that primary school is there to get you ready for secondary school and secondary school for university or, or however you see all of that going forward and the fact that you know to be four or five years old at school should be the most wonderful four and five year olds experience um, within that and, and as they go through rather than just that preparing for the next stage yes good teachers will will see that it's just unfortunate that um that the way that some that education is these days, especially through key stages and through um, end of year tests and end of key stage um, accountability tests as well, that we, we, we may lose sight of that. But, but, but you're right, Mark, to see the child as a four or five year old or as a 10 or 11 year old or as a 13 year old and to understand how that child has developed and where to send them on, not necessarily for the next steps into the next stage of education, but to look at what the child wants and how to move the child forward. Although we must bring, bring in that caveat that we don't allow the child to um, decide everything. It has to be um, a balance, but more, but more of, of a, the teacher guiding and directing, but fully understanding that the child's needs are still paramount. Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely key, and and I, and I like the fact you talked about Nate being a beacon for that kind of thing, and I think that's where having a strong membership and having people become part of NAEP is really important because we you then get a shared feeling that actually we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. You know, we're, we're all trying to do the same thing with a, a, um, a beacon, like, like you said, which is just able to be able to sort of put that into words and share it either through the podcast or through Primary First or, or through all the shared experiences we have with different organisations within primary education. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's uh, sharing that message and so... The, the podcasting and the, the Primary First Nate Journal are two excellent ways of disseminating our message. But it's also 
for teachers to realise that they're not in silos, that they're not isolated, that there is a wider community of shared interests and a shared love of the profession, and for them to realise that the pedagogy is 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 much broader and wider, and that's how NAEP can get that, get that message across. And one of the things that NAEP will be looking to do is to broaden its membership and to put the N back into NAEP, which is, of course, national, and for us to be a truly national organisation. And then we can all learn from each other and share with each other's ideas, innovation, creativity, to really put that child-centred pedagogy at the heart of what we do. But also to, to look at the realistic world in which we are currently working and operating. I mean, we must work with um, Ofsted, we must work with making the national curriculum relevant. We must work with the expectations of, of governors. And I, and I think that we mustn't lose, lose sight of that. It's, it's still a very important, may I say, um, integral part of, of the balance between the child and other external factors. Yeah, I think balance is, is an incredibly important word, isn't it? Because like you say, as as teachers and educators, you know, we have the experience and we're there to to mentor, to um, to create an environment that supports the children. Like you say, the, the, we also need to remember that the children are living their life as they're going through. But, but in, in order to keep standards, in order to, to have a, a balanced education system or, or an education environment across the board and like you say the national element is an important one then a certain amount of accountability is um is i guess important whether that comes in the form of of Ofsted as it is or or that kind of more mentoring service which i think it used to be when they were more inspectorates yeah and certainly now that the new framework will be coming in um, next month september uh, 2019 and it's for, for teachers to, to work with it without letting go of their true passion so should we talk a little bit about your um, your doctorate and exactly what it was that was involved in that so we can share some of those experiences with the with the members and the people listening? Yeah, certainly. So my doctorate was looking at the perceptions of the practice of the deployment of teaching assistants by trainee teachers whilst they were on their own school-based teaching experiences. And this was a, a small-scale study that I conducted with uh, 14 final year trainee teachers looking with uh, six six schools, uh, six teaching assistants, and then within those six schools um, working with five mentors. And so look at this notion within Teaching Standard 8 of how we are expecting trainee teachers to deploy their teaching assistants effectively. And it, what it uncovered was that trainee teachers aren't very uh, well prepared or very confident in deploying uh, much older, more experienced teaching assistants. And that's not really much of a surprise. So that was the, 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 the aim of, of the study. What support do you think you, is possible to give trainee teachers in that scenario? Because I can, I can imagine that um, situation being, you know, you've, you've got a teaching assistant within your classroom that's been there and seen many different teachers come and go through their, their, their learning and, and their, their support of schools. Um, and they've seen different parts of the curriculum come and go. They've seen practices which they like and practices that they don't like. And, and I guess some of them may just think they know a way that works really well and so it must be a sort of a two-way street to some extent I guess 
that the the assistants have got something to give to the trainee teachers from their experience but at the same time like I say the teachers are there in order to create their classroom environment in the way that they see is that is the way forward and and that's a difficult situation to balance I guess it is and it's interesting to use the, the word a two-way street but the teaching standard is very explicit in its uh, assertion that the trainee teacher must deploy the the teaching assistant and the contribution that uh, I'm putting forward is that this is all much part of a of a wider power relationship within the hierarchy of um, the, the primary classroom within the education profession and that there are multiple power relationships and controls within the profession but this is looking at the relationship between two members within that hierarchy who are arguably at the lower end of that of that uh, hierarchy the teaching assistant and the trainee teacher that there's a power differential determined by by what Bourdieu calls the habitus whereby the trainee teacher recognizes the powerlessness of her situation in an environment where sometimes a safe option is to accept the existing practice within that classroom, within that environment, rather than be expected to change anything. So the habitus suggests that the contribution of a trainee teacher is not, is not much welcomed and it calls into the question whether there's actually any chance or any scope for the trainee teacher to be confident in deploying the teaching assistant to make a change to her working practice, to make a change to how the children are taught. And it brings out this second point, this identity question of who deploys whom. Now, we assume that the trainee teacher goes into a school classroom and deploys a teaching assistant. But what I have found happens is that it is the teaching assistant who deploys the trainee teacher. In other words, it's the other way around. And the reason is, as you said, is that the mark is that the teaching assistant's been there for a long time, knows how things work, is very comfortable within in the habitus, within the existing practices and norms and the ethos and the culture of that school, and that the teaching assistant will only allow the trainee teacher to deploy her if she feels that there's a degree of competency or confidence. Now that competency or confidence tends to come around the the area of behavior management. So if the teaching assistant feels confident that the trainee teacher can handle the classroom and that the teacher assistant doesn't have to mop up any mess as it were, or has to deal with anything untoward, then she feels more comfortable and starts to take on the fact that yes, this is a trainee teacher who knows what she's doing and then will allow her to be deployed. What happens in part on, on the part of the, uh, the trainee teacher is that she hasn't got the, the skills or the capital, to use another Bourdieu uh, uh, um, analogy, to actually have that uh, ability to, to deploy a TA. She doesn't know how to do it. And what my study uncovered was that some of the trainees were saying, it's like telling your mum what to do. This idea of an older person being told by a much younger person. So you think maybe the average age of a teaching assistant is roughly 40 to 45. The average age of a trainee teacher is maybe between 18 and 24. It's almost like that mother-daughter relationship. So what my uh, research uncovered was that there's this concept that I've named the localized familiarization. 
And it's a form of negotiation between the trainee teacher and the teaching assistant within this habitus. So the trainee teacher will only deploy the teaching assistant if she feels that there's this degree of warmth or friendliness or the ability to socialize. And when the trainee teacher feels, yes, I get on with this person, she seems to like me, respect me, then I'm able to deploy her pedagogically. Now, what my research also has uncovered is that by the time that this socialization process happens, it's towards the end of the teaching practice, and there's very little time for that trainee teacher to deploy the TA as directed by Teaching Standard 8. And there are a couple of things that spring to mind there. One is the fact that what it does is it, is it opens up a whole world of thinking, but we, we, we could have a slightly different setup in terms of that there could be ways of actually integrating the student teacher into the school before they're involved in, in the classroom for, for a longer period of time. You know, all the relationship between the senior, senior leadership team um, in terms of what the expectations are of, of, of the teaching assistant and, and how they sort of integrate the, the students coming into their class. But I guess, as we know, t- time is, is poor and the, the system is what the system is. And like I say, then it becomes very immediate and very personality-based. Um, and my, and my, my second thought along those lines was the fact that did you find any difference between student male teachers and 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 um, and TAs? And was there, was there any sort of link or, or differences there? Not necessarily between uh, male and female teachers. What I found was the big difference was that those students, uh, trainee teachers who had prior experience, for example, through a, a work-based setting. So, for example, if they'd worked in a supermarket and they were, had some form of managerial experience, they felt much more confident. Now, Bourdieu would say that they had that capital, that um, that social capital in order to um, conduct themselves with confidence within that particular workplace setting. And if the, the trainee teachers had that prior to their school-based experiences, they, they felt more confident in order to deploy the TA. But what all my trainee teachers seemed to uh, realise was that there was a a bit of negotiation. They could only um, suggest changes so far, and then they soon came to realise that there was a, a lot of changes that they couldn't couldn't make. So they were able to make changes with the immediate relationship with their teaching assistant, but slight changes with the teacher, but it didn't really go much further from that. And some of them became resigned to this phrase of replicating the pedagogy. In other words, if I just copy what happens because I think that's how it works here, I can't change it. I may pass my practice. Right, and, and I get, and I guess at the end of the day, that that's the most important thing. And they feel like that maybe they would in the future, having them pass that and then getting their job further down the line, they might have more influence. Which I, I guess in some ways is true but then of course you haven't then necessarily learned the skills like you said that you would need in order to get those relationships going and the experience of that if indeed you've got those experiences without of the training situation because like I say whether you've had a supermarket job or, or you maybe you've worked in a school environment as a volunteer or something then then, you, then you've, you've you've gained it elsewhere whereas I guess ideally you'd want it to be an integral part of the whole student teaching process. Yes and, I, and I'm, what I'm calling for is for schools to maybe accept a bit more widely and a bit be a bit more forthcoming into seeing what the trainee teacher has so what skills they have or what ideas they have 
and for them to be allowed to bring the innovations and creativity to their teacher training within these schools that they are uh, visiting for their um, school experiences, rather than them to feel resigned to shutting down and replicating what they see. So for example, if students see children um, seated on the carpet, they should query in a very polite way, why does that happen, rather than just accept it as practice because that's something that works for the existing teacher. Why do they do work in particular books and not do work in books for other subjects? So they are, they do observe these things, but I think it, it would be um, more beneficial for the trainee teacher for them to be allowed to just to politely question what goes on rather than to just be merely accepting. And I think that would come with experience and when they do get their own class, when they do have more power within their own, say, for example, in their NQT year. But I think it's, I think it's something that, that loses a lot of traction in their teacher training. And that's that's something that uh, I, I was uncovering through my, my study. I definitely like the idea that a student teacher coming in should be encouraged to to try out what it is that they believe in and what they learn and, and that open door policy of, of, of asking those questions because then the actual starting point for all the relationships within the school has a different emphasis doesn't it rather than we're expecting you to come in and be a teacher within what's already here we're actually we're inviting you in so that we can all share in what it is that you'd like to bring in as a new person into our environment and that 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 very is that is very different i guess isn't it yes um obviously the schools invite the trainee teachers in because they sign up to the partnership with the university what was striking was that every teaching assistant that I interviewed said that they were more than willing to be deployed by the trainee teacher. But after a while, when when the negotiations are being thrashed out, this there seems to be a ceiling that's reached. The the trainee teacher is able to deploy the teaching assistant after a while, although um, arguably too late, but is therefore unable to um, affect effect greater change late, later on. And you could um, counter that argument by saying, but they've only had, say, for example, eight weeks, nine weeks, there's not much they can do. But I, I'm just opening and posing the question of well, what, what could the trainee teacher offer that the school could learn from? So in other words, their habitus could be enriched by the capital and the knowledge of the incoming trainee teacher. I, th- I think that's true, and I, I really like that. It's a it's a concept. I hope that there are there are people that, that take that on board, and um, and I guess it's difficult within the amount of time that there is available for um, student teachers and and their qualifications. But do you think if the amount of time they were in the school was extended, that there would be that natural sense of they'd be more um, familiar with the with the school, they'd be more familiar with the staff. They'd actually get more out of it. Or do you think actually, while they're still technically um, students and they're training, that that it will never change enough until they've actually got their own class? That's a good question, Bart. Because uh, as you know, the, um, trainee teachers have been required to spend now 120 days in school. That was raised from the old 90 days in school. But but I think. The, the place of the university and certainly the, the place of in, initial teacher education is to have that questioning, that that uh, professional critique of what they see in schools. And I think this is where good partnerships between schools and initial teacher education 
can develop. I don't think that spending more time in school, certainly beyond 120 days, will enable the trainee teacher to really question what's going on because they're so busy with planning, teaching and assessment, maybe some after school clubs and, and the general busyness of the primary classroom. And I think this is where the, the organisations such as NAEP and NAPTEC can have that um, that provision of articles and podcastings so that the teachers can um, look and listen and respond and have that freedom and, and that time to see what's going on in the profession. Now, I don't necessarily mean extra time. I think it should be built into the normal working day because obviously we need to think about burnout and mental health issues. And I think schools and the wider profession should have that that, that ability to um, not be afraid to invite uh, criticism in a healthy, positive way, uh, but to build it into the existing time. Yeah, and I, th- and I think those conversations are important, aren't they? Because, you know, um, a very secure um, senior leadership team would be able to take on board, I guess, what's always going to be a relative naivety, because, like I say, just because of the age differences and the experience differences, but within that, there may well be, as you say, some great ideas, which with a little bit more thought could actually be very positive for the school. And so I think you, you need to be... I, and I always sort of link this back to the to the children. You know, it's that kind of we're asking children within a school environment um, to learn new things, to 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 have to be able to um, cope with new situations and new relationships and all that kind of thing. I think it's a very positive thing for the the people who are actually involved in running the school to actually experience what that what that's like as well. Yes, and I think a senior leadership team that's a healthy team. Uh, will always in, invite new ideas and, and and you're right it's that point i made but you just don't let the child do everything you have to you have to have that balance with the teacher and i and i think with the energetic and and wide-eyed um newly qualified teacher that obviously th- there has to be some sort of guidance and and uh mentoring and or coaching that goes into developing something because we have to remember that pedagogy has to be has to be pure and and it, and it has to be thought out and it has to be for the has to be for the child and has to have some sort of relevance it's not just it's just something that just can't be 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 thrown together very very quickly so it does need that it, it does need that part of the habitus which allows wisdom that allows experience or that tacit knowledge and that tacit understanding to to bring ideas forward and then to encourage them. And just sort of to round off, because of your expertise in that teacher training field and the fact that we talked about the the difference between the needing to get through the course to get your qualification to get out there, but also the sense of why you get into teaching and, and the vocational feel of it, I think, like you say, NAEP can be a beacon for that because we can have all of these conversations which maybe there's not as much time when you're training or or it comes slightly um, to one side of of learning what you need to do in any given classroom. Um, What do you think would be a way of being able to... um, to get more people to to have these conversations with us in terms of of teachers and, and students that are going through these early stages of their career so that they feel that actually we do have a the chance to have these conversations that are very supporting them for as well as part of their professional development i think that's a good question mark and it's something i have thought about and i think it's 
what I term celebrating the mundane, celebrating the ordinary. Uh, I think there are articles or advice which exhort teachers to achieve something. Uh, I think that's not the way to go forward. I think what should happen is that teachers bring forward ordinary, everyday, commonplace issues and, and share them and we celebrate those. So, so for example, um, things that are small um, or queries that are small or issues that uh, people think are small, we should say they're not small, they're, they're important because other people will, will have them. We, and we do this to children. We say, oh, that, that's not a silly question. I, I'm sure other people in the, in the class would have thought that question as well. And I think it's to celebrate everything that teachers think shouldn't be celebrated, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I think it, it's a question of of like say ha- having that that shared community that can do that and th- there are many ways um as a, a nape member you can do that obviously those of you that are listening to this podcast on on the show notes you can always leave um, a comment underneath of the sorts of things that we've been talking about and we're more than happy to continue that conversation there um nape also has a, f- uh, a facebook page um where we publish things and, and feel free to get in contact um through there like the things that we're doing um, and you could always get in contact with us um, through the national office as well. If you have something you'd like to be able to share with us, you know, there's also the Rosemary Evans Bequest um, Award where you can actually write an article if you're in your early stages of your of your teaching career. And all those details are on the website. So if you go to nape.org.uk, you can see the sorts of things that we're doing, the sorts of ways you can get in contact directly through the national office, and they can always forward things through to us. Um, and, and it's that dialogue, it's those conversations that we want to have more and more because you know neighbors and association is here for you it's supporting you but also you're an integral part of it and we want to encourage that as much as we possibly can absolutely let's encourage all teachers concerns and share and celebrate them I think that's a, a perfect way to finish off. Robert, thank you so much for chatting to us. It's really interesting listening to to all that expertise and, and, and your insights there and um, thanks very much. Thank you Mark. <laughs>